This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook. That's right, I said free audiobook. Download at audibletrial.com slash DTMMB. There's over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, iPad, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So give them a try today. Now back to the show. Welcome to DTMMB Media Podcast number 32. In this episode, we'll look at our favorite movies from 2013. Now, coming to you live from the DTMMB Media Studio in Louisville, Kentucky, it's the official Don't Tell Me My Business Media Podcast with your hosts, Vince and Chris, and it starts now. And welcome back. I'm Vince George of DTMMB Media, and I'm joined today by uh, a new co-host, Chris Herndon. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to have you, Chris. So, uh, last year, we saw a lot of movies. I think probably, I mean, we always saw a lot of movies before, but I think we probably topped our total last year. Uh, it was somewhere in the 60s, I believe. Yeah, for movies that came out in 2013, not counting. Oh yes, mm-hmm. not counting older movies. Right. Well. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's not even counting things that we probably saw on Netflix, on DVD, uh, Red Box, Blue Box, Yellow Boxes, home movies. Yeah. Oh yes, home <laughs> movies. Uh, reel to reels, eight millimeters, the whole, the whole. Uh, Betamax. Betamax. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we saw a lot of them, and uh, we had some favorites, and we had some not so favorites. But we're going to talk about the favorites today, right? Yeah, we can focus on the favorites. There's no real, no reason to, you know, poop on somebody's work like that <laughs> to talk about our worst movies of 2013. Well, some of them I would like to physically poop on, but uh, you know, uh, I'd rather go ahead and give praise for the movies that, well, that is, we is did. That like. la- before we go, is that language too extreme? I mean, am I good to say poop? I, you are good to say poop. I will label label this not safe for work. I'm sorry. You know, maybe a little too strong for uh, possibly Mormons that might listen at their their place of work. But dang it, yes. So. Uh, what, what do you say? Do you want to you want to kick right into it? I think we should maybe take a, a moment to explain how we look at movies because I, I think this might be a non traditional list for some people. They might hear some of the things that we say and uh, rate and say, eh, I don't know about that. How can you possibly put that in your top ten? Yeah, I could see that. I, I think uh, we both have a kind of have a similar outlook on on how to review a movie and, and honestly i should just say this that um even though we have watched a lot of movies together over the years and we have all, always discussed the movies that we watch and um and kind of do our own critiques this is kind of a newer thing here just a few right, months yeah. that we've actually been trying to review movies um you know for the general public you know through the wonderful world of podcasting right it's usually a private thing it's a typically was paid before a uh, small fee and we would tell you how we felt about the movie but we're opening it wide open to yeah, well, everyone we're charitable people yeah. so i think uh, at least speaking for myself I, I look at movies a little differently as we've started doing this so right. it, it things have you know kind of evolved here in the last few months and uh, but i i think one of the main points to make is we try to look at it from both the perspective of art um you know the techniques that are used and the this you know the story elements and things how are they were they effective but we also put a lot of weight on what was our viewing experience do we enjoy the movie right and look at the movie what was it intended to be what did i expect to get out of it mm-hmm. and therefore was i satisfied dissatisfied etc right 
Yeah, I think that's very important to uh, realize. And I think that's very important if you're watching a movie. Uh, if, if you go into a movie and maybe it's not that art house flick or that critically acclaimed movie, and that's another thing. Don't listen to critics for the most part. Well, except for us. Except for us. Yeah, yeah. of course. But uh, a lot of times, go into a movie with an open mind. Don't worry about whatever other people have necessarily said or or have uh, you know conveyed about the movie. Go see it for yourself and make that decision. If you came out of the movie and you enjoyed it, it doesn't matter what a critic says. So, well, and I think we have a different approach, you and I, to that because I think you typically would. Um, you know, read reviews before you see a movie. I personally try not to read anything about a movie other than, you know, the general, you know, who's in it, who directed it, that kind of stuff. But I I try to stay away from a review until I've seen a movie. Mm -hmm. If if it's something I'm excited about seeing, because I don't, I don't want to have that, you know, kind of spoiled thinking in the back of my mind, should I like this? You Mm -hmm. know, or should I not like this? I read the script typically before I go in. So I'm not surprised by much. Well, I usually spend a lot of time on set during the filming of the movie. (laughs) So, you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't think we were reviewing porn movies this time. Is that? Oh, that's the next show. That's still that's still private. I'm sorry, I forgot. We haven't opened that one up to the public yet. It, it, let's not. It, I'd rather not talk about my other profession at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and again, sorry for you Mormons listening out there at work. I know this probably isn't appropriate. Yeah, poop on you, Vince. Um, but uh, I think when you look at looking back at 2013. Um, there were some fine movies in 2013, but I think you'll, you'll find that some of the more fun, some kind of summer blockbuster type stuff, we, uh, you know, we've always valued those types of movies and it may be a, a more traditional critique of that, of those movies might you know, rate them a little lower than what we would. Uh, but again, I like to really focus on, did I enjoy the movie when I walked out of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were disappointed in a lot of movies this year too. Yeah. I actually, it's funny because we had a little streak there. I was just, I, I, has there been a good movie? When was the last time I saw a good movie? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, but thankfully here we've, we've seen some decent stuff too. And and looking back at 2013, I think we found that there were probably more, at least I found there were more, more good movies than I really thought uh, going into it. But when I sat back and kind of did a little, review of everything that I'd seen. There were actually some pretty decent films in there. Right. So you ready to start out with the list? I, I say we do it. Sure, let's do it. Okay. Uh, we're going to go from 10 to number 1. Uh, let's start off with number 10 with uh, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, yeah. Um, a movie that I think we both had high hopes for going in uh, because uh, we were both, you know, into Godzilla movies and you know Japanese monster movies mm-hmm. uh, growing up. So um, I, for one, really enjoyed that movie. I was really into Japanese monsters. As a matter of fact, you may have heard me mention a couple times I have a Japanese wife. I married one. Ouch. Yeah. I'm just kidding. She's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. Yeah. Never mind that he just called her a monster. <laughs> Not five seconds ago. I, I think I'm the monster at this point, right? Yeah, I wouldn't argue with it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that if, if you were a, of our age, we're in our 40s. If you're of our age, Godzilla probably you, you hold near and dear to your heart. I mean, we something that you grew up with. You also grew up with things like the Transformers. You also grew up maybe even the Shogun Warriors like I did. Uh, a lot of, oh, yeah, yeah a, a lot of different elements that made this movie full of the kind of hype that we were into. I I could not wait to see this movie. 
Did it live up to my expectations? Maybe not. However, I thought it was good enough to make this list. Yeah, I, I thought it. I thought it lived up to my expectations. I, I like the fact that it was a pretty straightforward story, and it really was driven by the action and how great the monsters looked, and how great the um, you know the mech warrior uh, suits looked, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, to me, it was. It didn't try to bite off more than it could chew, and I appreciated the fact that it's it kept certain elements pretty simplified and really spent a lot on the look and on the you know the overall action of the pace of the movie. So I appreciated that. I mean, performances, yeah, you know, they're some are better than others in the movie. Yeah. You didn't walk away from that, you know, quoting the script or talking about what a breakout performance it was for a particular actor or actress, but you you walk out of it. Um, with a pretty good dose of adrenaline, and um, you know, I, I personally thought it looked great. Yeah, I, I think it did too. I think probably the only disappointment disappointment I had is maybe I wanted it to be wall to wall monster versus robot type suit uh, action, and you know, there was there was a lot of good set pieces in it that included that, but there was a lot of pieces in between that I probably could have done without. You know. Yeah, but it was still for twenty thirteen. I think it's a top ten movie. I oh yeah, I definitely. I mean, it. I, I think maybe if it was wall to wall action, I probably would have had it as number one for myself. Yeah, we've got you know, there's um, for this summer. There there were several, you know, big summer blockbusters that came out that uh, you know something like um, you know Man of Steel, for example, where you wouldn't expect Pacific Rim maybe to be. A more enjoyable movie, but it really was to me. Man, still did not make the list, by the way. Well, you just you know you ruined that uh, that suspense. All those Superman fans out. Well, there. I don't I don't think it, that was a suspense for anybody. I mean, it, it it was good. I I favor that movie, but I would not say it's probably one of my top movies of 2013. No, I don't think it made the list in terms of anything that's on this list. I, I would definitely um, you know I feel a lot, I feel a lot more strongly about. Let's put yeah. it that way. Uh, so for our next movie, uh, for number nine on the list, American Hustle. Mm-hmm. Well, I, as far as this movie goes, uh, maybe a little disappointed overall, but uh, the longer that I'm away from the movie, the more I, I favor it in my mind. Uh, I think this is during the span that you talked about where we went to a lot of movies that maybe weren't as great as some other movies. Uh, it was two hours long, and we had been to several movies week after week after week before this. It was the uh, basically the holiday season when a lot of movies come out. And I think at that point when we actually saw the movie, we were just kind of deflated at the time. Uh, but looking back with all the performances that were in it, the look, the feel, the way the costumes were done, the way it portrayed the movie, uh, and the story in general, uh, I really favor this movie. Uh, I think the performances were great, and I think that's probably the standout of this movie. I think we talked about in our review, uh, maybe the script was a little bit weaker uh, than we would have liked. However, I think it has a lot of standout performances. Yeah, American Hustle is a movie that we did do a standalone review on, so you can, uh, listeners out there, you can go back if you haven't heard it uh, and, and hear our full take on it. Uh, but just kind of a synopsis of my feeling on it, I, I agree. My, my big problem was... Um, the script, the story left me wanting a little bit more maybe detail and tension and that sort of thing. But the movie was really about 
the characters and about the you know interesting characters that had relationships that were dynamic within the the script within the movie. You saw you saw things change. You saw maybe some growth. You saw maybe some different perspectives. Uh, and I think that's the kind of movie this was intended to be. That was kind of billed as sort of a you know uh, David O. Russell does. Martin Scorsese or something. And maybe that's kind of, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of like a heist movie feel, mm-hmm. uh, which it did not have. However, I agree with you. The longer I've been away from it and after seeing some other, a couple other movies, uh, maybe that were similar, uh, since then I do value this movie more. And, uh, I think it's worthy of number nine on our slot. Yeah, sure. So, uh, let's go ahead and move to number eight, uh, which is our first comedy, and maybe our only comedy on here, actually, looking, Anchorman 2. Now, this might be a surprise for some people. Yeah, um, we're both tremendous fans of Will Ferrell Mm -hmm. and of the original Anchorman movie. Um, And I should say Adam McKay as well. Oh, yes, yes, Adam McKay, brilliant. Um, And... I should. It feels like I'm going to preface every movie with what I don't like about it, and then tell what I like about it. So I'm going to say that for we this. We can one do day. that. We can yeah. do that. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I, I guess maybe that's just because I'm just a negative guy. Sure. But uh, Anchorman Two better than Anchorman One? As good as Anchorman One? No. A good movie, a fun movie. Yes. Uh, a movie that if you if you're a fan of Will Ferrell, you will like this movie. If you're a fan of Anchorman One, you will like this movie. If you don't like Will Ferrell and you didn't like the first one, you're not going to like this one. So don't bother going to see it. But uh, if you have any interest in that, in Anchorman or Will Ferrell or Adam McKay's work, um, I think this is a must-see. And I had a, a good time watching it. Yeah, I think this is one of the movies we talk about, how we have two kind of categories. We have the art and we have just the, the fun movie. This was a fun movie. Uh, I hadn't laughed that hard all year. There was some scenes in there. Some of them fell flat, sure. But the scenes that, that were on and that hit, were some of the funniest things I had seen all year. Yeah. Easily. Well, and it was infectious, too, seeing it in a theater full of people. Uh, I remember watching the first Anchorman, mm-hmm. where there was no one in the theater, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, just me and the people I'm with laughing, and um, that was fun. But this was actually kind of fun, because there were a whole, the you know, theater was packed. We saw it opening night. Right. And uh, the theater was pretty packed that night. And there were a lot of people laughing, and I just had a, I just, I just felt good about the movie. I feel now again looking at it critically, yeah, there's some, there's some issues. Some things fell a little flat. They probably maybe tried to bite off a little bit too much with the story. Too many like subplots going on, mm-hmm. uh, unlike the first movie, which was pretty straightforward. But for guaranteed laughs, especially if you're a Will Ferrell, Adam McKay fan or a fan of the original Anchorman cast, check it out. Yeah, that's that's probably the easiest way to put it. <laughs> you like Will Ferrell, see it, you don't, don't, you know? Yeah, yeah. But we put it on our list because, honestly, uh, we needed a comedy, I felt, on the list, and this certainly uh, was the best one we'd seen. It really wasn't a comedy-heavy summer at all, or 2013. I can't think of anything else that even kind of came close to competing, really. Well, in, in terms of, like, hype and, you know, media buzz... But um, there were a couple, there were some decent comedies, and maybe we should just take a moment to talk about a couple comedies real quick that didn't make the list as an honorable mention. Maybe this is the end. We both enjoyed True. that quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was before we were you know doing reviews like we're doing now uh, earlier in the year. But uh, we both laughed at that quite a bit. And uh, the end of the world. You you the world's end. Yeah, I'm sorry, world's end. Yeah, we always get that. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot keep these. Yeah, things. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, it's you know Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg. That's a pretty solid combination on there. I probably you know if if this list went to twenty, it would easily be on there. Maybe even fifteen. Uh, I really enjoyed that movie a lot, but I didn't feel like it was as good as the other uh, two movies in the Cornetto trilogy. And so 
it, I'm, I'm not going to rate it quite as highly, but it is a, it is a, worth a watch. Uh, but just to wrap it up, Anchorman was our top comedy mm-hmm. um, and uh, made number eight on our list. Moving on to number seven uh, was a, a movie that got quite a bit of buzz and is probably going to get some Oscar buzz is Gravity. Uh, strangely enough, it holds a lot of weight uh, <laughs> with us uh, coming in number seven. Yeah, it, honestly, we had, if you listen to our standalone review of this movie, uh, we did have some issues with it overall. Uh, maybe some of the weakness in the script and, and even some of the performances, uh, the performance of uh, Sandy Bullock in it. However, from a technical standpoint, this movie is outstanding. Visually mesmerizing. And this was another one in the theater. The experience was pretty wild. Um, yeah, the story, you know, pretty kind of on the nose in your face type of symbolism of rebirth and things I thought were maybe a little little heavy handed. Um, the survivor take, you know, yeah. if you've ever seen any kind of survival survival film, it follows the same type of pattern. It was a little bit over the top. We were exhausted at the end of this movie. Yeah, I, I will say this, though, to, uh, you know, not to totally dog out the script, because I will credit them with, you know, the, the, the writers with this point is that I thought it was important to keep the looking back on it now. I thought it was, you know, probably a good choice to keep the script fairly straightforward because mm-hmm. there was so much going on visually. It allowed the. The, the viewer to kind of experience, you know, the near earth orbit, you know, feel and look and sound. They're, they're, they're very effective use of sound within the movie yes. as well. Or lack of in some instances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just kind of that, you know, the, I've never been in space myself, but it just, it gave a, yeah, now, believe, okay. believe it or not, believe it or not, I've I not mean, been. You into, told me, well, I mean, you might've been, you were, you'd been drinking. Yeah. So I, I get pretty boisterous when I, when I've been drinking. And you were talking about Ed Harris a lot. So I thought maybe you were like mission control Ed Harris. I was like, okay, well, I guess he'd been to space. Well, I, you know me, when I get drunk, I always talk about Ed Harris. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, uh, I thought that the story maybe being simplified actually maybe helped with the extrasensory experience that you get with that uh you know you know you know what i mean like, yeah you're probably right i think if it had a very deep story my head probably would have exploded at the end of that movie but that being said there was some stuff that was like know, i was in space yeah <laughs> true um you would have frozen to death too, true and, yeah. yeah and nobody would have heard you scream hmm. but um just other space things, you know. Uh, but I think, you, you know, my only point is that maybe with a simplified story, it maybe made some other things more effective. But yet, it made me feel kind of feel like they could have done a little bit more with a few, you know, details. Yeah, you're really going to lose something if you waited out uh, to see this movie on something like Netflix. or Yeah. Or yeah you're going to lose out. It's a different experience. Uh, but still, a worthwhile movie and one that I think deserves credit for its visual and um, you know audio, you know use for the for the uh, for the viewing experience. Mm-hmm. So number seven on our list uh, is Gravity. Yeah. So let's move to number six uh, on our list is Rush, uh, directed by Ron Howard. Yeah this this movie um, I thought was a very it's, it's a very it's a true story about a sport that I uh, you know have some interest in in uh, F one auto racing, mm-hmm. and I I, I kinda, I'm pretty much knew the the basic story before seeing the movie, but I thought that Ron Howard did a masterful job of telling a story. He's done this with true stories in the past. He's just a very solid filmmaker, knows how to tell a story and get good performances out of his actors. I thought it was well cast. I thought it looked good. I thought it, um, you know, had the, the dialogue. Every, I mean, the, everything felt really, 
a really natural and really well done. Yeah, I thought it fired on all cylinders, quite honestly. Uh, this is exactly the kind of movie uh, that... A high-octane thrill ride, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it yes it was. I, I tell you one thing, Ron Ron Howard has has proven that he is probably one of the finest directors uh, around these days. He takes movies like this. I think we talked about it earlier. It has that same Apollo thirteen uh, feel to it as far as taking a real story and and not embellishing, not doing anything spectacular with it, but making it feel personal. Uh, I felt the same way about another one of his movies. Uh, it was also based on a true story, Cinderella Man, mm-hmm. from a few years yeah. ago with Russell mm-hmm. Crowe. Ron Howard just knows how to. I mean, it, it has. It's hard to talk. It's hard for me, and I, I don't. Maybe I just don't have the the background to really tell you the, the the techniques that Ron Howard uses that makes him an exceptional director. But I know from a viewing standpoint that he everything feels very natural. It, it feels real, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And uh, and when he gets a hold of a script like like this one. Um, I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Now, think about this. 2013 was uh, maybe a year where we had a lot of movies based on true stories. We yeah. can talk about American Hustle. We can talk about uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, and there's a few more coming up on our list that were based on um, true stories as well. Yeah. And so when I look at this movie, uh, I think there's probably one that's on our list that's comparable, uh, maybe even two if you think about it uh, a little deeper. But uh this felt very real mm-hmm. to where when you look at the the Wolf of Wall Street and and something like American Hustle, those are more kind of based on it where this almost feel it almost felt like a documentary at times in Rush, you know, and the way they used the splice footage from the actual 1976 Formula One season uh, with the movie was was great. Uh, they did use CGI for the uh, the wrecks, from what I understand, but it was very well done. It didn't look over CGI'd, uh, and they actually had to use Formula Three cars uh, during film filming uh, because you cannot use Formula One if you're an amateur. Yeah, um, and and I th- yeah, and I thought that like the racing footage, which you would think going into a movie about F1 that the racing footage was going to kind of be the star of the oh, show, no. but no, the racing footage it, it was it was good. But you really got in, involved with the characters, and that's what really drove it, and uh, so to speak. And um, you know, again, a fine movie, one that I would recommend to anyone. Yeah, it tells a good story, and uh, it has wheels, so uh, you'll be hearing about this one for a while. Sorry to interrupt, folks, but I want to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Audible.com. For you, the listeners of DTMMB Media Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. You know, I've got a friend that recommends books all the time, but between work and this podcast, I just don't have the time. But now there's Audible. I can listen in the car or while I'm working. Uh, I do it with podcasts I love, so why not books? What a novel approach. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash DTMMB. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash DTMMB for your free audiobook today. Thanks. Back to the show. So uh, moving on to our our next uh, movie on the list is number five, Upstream Color by Shane Carruth. Yeah, this is an interesting movie. If you've seen his other movie, Primer, 
uh, you're probably going to know a little bit about what you're getting into here. Uh, it's more of a work of art, and we had a long discussion about this movie before uh, we talked about this. We hadn't done a, a review prior, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because this is a tough movie to review. Uh, he does everything right from a camera standpoint, uh, the colors, the look, the feel, and he even did the score for the, mo- the, the movie, which is outstanding as well. Uh, the story is a little different. may not be for everybody. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we <laughs> we had a a vibrant debate about this movie because um, I we both just seen it recently, so we hadn't really had a chance to talk about it. Um, and before we recorded, we were kind of you know spitballing some ideas about what we got out of the movie. And it was it was it's funny because we had completely different takes on the movie, but uh, we both agreed that it's an outstanding movie that belongs where it exactly. is. Exactly, yeah. it's a movie that you kind of there's a lot of room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. The um, the story, I would contend that there is a linear narrative in there. Um, perhaps there's not. Maybe I just forced one into my brain to, to make it understandable to myself. Um, but I contend that there is a, a narrative in there. But there's just a lot of kind of unanswered questions. And a lot of it's just very high, highly stylized. And I will say this. Shane Carruth is one of the... He's, he plays the the male lead in the movie. Maybe not the best actor I've ever seen. I thought the the actress who who, who played um, uh, the lead actor the, the lead character just ate him up in every scene that yes. she was in with mm-hmm. him. Uh, and I'm I don't have that name in front of me at the moment. Uh, but she uh, she did a, a, an outstanding job. He may not have been the best actor, but he did everything in this movie. Um, you know, written, directed, the score, starred in. And he is clearly Shane Carruth is somebody to watch because I think he is clearly a, a student of like classic cinema and like the use of of the medium of film to convey something more than just a straightforward story. Yeah, it, very interesting, very very thought provoking. Yeah, I think he's probably comparable to Darren Aronofsky. Uh, if, if someone who's kind of done things that man, if you've seen something like Pi, you know, mm-hmm. kind of out there a little bit. And if you actually, if you watch a lot of uh, Chris Nolan's early stuff, uh, very, very similar, kind of disorienting. Uh, you're not sure which direction it's going to go and may not have a, a direction at all, but is simply telling uh, maybe a metaphorical tale. Uh, the, the actress in that is uh, Amy Seemitz. It's S E I M E T Z, however you want to say that. Never, I never heard of her before, but I bet you see her in some other stuff because she was really good. I mean, very strong performance. Yeah. And you're talking about, like, again, you're talking about a, a kind of a kind of a far out script in some ways and, and Carruth's use of uh, close ups uh, uh, on her. You have to really have acting chops to pull off some of the emotion that she was doing when all you can see is basically from your chin to your forehead, you know? Mm-hmm. Very, uh, a very strong performance from her. And I will say this, you know, you mentioned early Nolan works and you mentioned Aronofsky. I'd also th- throw maybe uh David Lynch in there where you just get, it's, it, yeah, just quote unquote strange. Sure. Yeah. But I will, there, those, all those guys, there were parts of this movie that made some of those movies seem very straightforward. Right. I mean, there yeah. was some pretty sure. far out stuff in mm-hmm. this, uh, but I would definitely recommend it, especially if you're a fan of just, the art of film, mm-hmm. you know, t- just give this movie a shot because it is, I don't know, it's weirdly mesmerizing. Yeah, the, the use of colors and angles and framing, everything about it, sound. Uh, the I, fo- sound yeah, sound yeah. and focus. I mean, the yeah. way they, they used focus in the movie I thought was extremely effective to kind of show that disorienting, uh, you know, the, 
as a viewer, you're kind of experiencing this orientation the same way as the the main characters are. So this is our art flicks on the list, people. This is to let you know that we're serious. We're not fucking around here. This gives us cred right there. Yeah. Uh, it is on Netflix, so you can catch it fairly easily. Oh, so, yeah. I watched it on Netflix. Um, it's it's uh, easily obtainable, so check it out. Yeah, definitely. It's only an hour and a half long, too. I mean, that's one of my big gripes. We, okay, we're going to talk about griping about 2013 sure, movies. Yeah. One of my big gripes has been that a lot of movies this year, and it's not just this year. It's been an ongoing trend, are just getting way, way too long. And it's very refreshing movies that can be as uh, you know intellectually compelling as something like Upstream... Uh, color that are short sure you know it's not you don't it felt like the movie the movie felt well paced and even the stuff that i didn't really get that i want to go back and kind of rewatch it didn't feel like it made me want to fast forward or turn the movie off you know yeah sometimes you feel like maybe directors are getting too full of themselves too self-indulgent when it comes to movies instead of thinking about their audiences and and just telling a tight story or conveying a message quickly uh he gets it i mean this is good if you again i also recommend trying to track down primer i i think it should be fairly easy to find uh also an interesting movie it's about time travel and kind of really That'll really throw you for a loop. I believe Primer, and I'm going out on a limb here, I believe it's available on Netflix as well. Can't tell you right off the top of my head. But yeah, check it out. Search for it. Find it. It's out there. Yeah. Um, So let's move on to uh, number four. Uh, Another tale of realism in Captain Phillips starring Tom Hanks. Yeah, I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. This is another one we saw in the theater together. And um, when you talk about a true story and trying to keep things realistic, this kind of take, you know, takes that to a whole different level. It really kind of almost, it almost felt like, you know, it was just, there was somebody there with a, uh, with a camcorder <laughs> recording all this stuff as it happened in real t- in, in real life. And it was very, very realistic. Tom Hanks's performance is well, it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. I mean, sure. Come on. Doesn't get any better than Tom Hanks. Right. Uh, but the real standout performance was the, um, the Somali pirate Barkhead Abdi. Yeah. Mr. Abdi was spot on as, um, as the head of the Somali, the, the captain, if you will, of the Somali pirates that hijack attempt to hijack a, a freighter that Tom Hanks is, uh, captaining, uh, very, a lot of tension, a lot of, again, you, you just, it just felt like you were right there with every, with, with the, um, with the pirates and, and with the crew, just experiencing the fear and just the exhilaration, everything with them. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's a young guy that is acting opposite of Tom Hanks and, and nailing it. He's absolutely killing it. I mean, that, that has to be an incredible experience in its own. Another thing that we talked about when we did the review of this movie was it had the military in it, but it wasn't in a glorifying way. It wasn't in a Michael Bay way uh, where, you know, it was all pomp and circumstance. This was a, a very matter-of-fact movie about people doing their jobs is one of the things we talked about. Yeah, and I think that just goes to, uh, just reinforces the whole idea of it being extremely realistic. Because that, let's face it, that's, you know, I mean, you would be able to speak to this more because you served in the military um, I was in situations like this all the time. Pretty, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, you do that more. You did that ten times before ten a.m. Yeah, right. right. But um, the way I, I took it is like in, in the military, you have it. Everybody's got a job. You do the job. It's not like not not every day is going to be like Saving Private Ryan or something. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. um, I, I really liked the approach, and I thought that it was very effective. Yeah, very emotional. I it definitely belongs on this list. 
and I, I felt the pacing was fine too. You know, I, I think it was about a two hour movie, but it didn't feel overly long. Actually, I think our review of it was longer than the actual movie. That's probably probably true. So yeah, Captain Phillips highly recommend it. Number four on our list. Moving on to number three. We're in the top three now, Vince. It's yeah, pretty this exciting is, stuff. Yeah, this is tight stuff. This here. is uh, bronze medal uh, worthy. And uh, very three very different movies, I think. Yeah, you're, you're right. So number three is a movie called Prisoners, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, was, this, this movie, probably more than really any movie of 2013, uh, except for maybe number one, but I, I saw that later in the year. Uh, we saw this fairly early on. And this movie has stuck with me as a standout. This was a movie that I wanted on the list probably from the very beginning. Uh, there are better movies out there, uh, but the the way the script was written, written and the, the performances from uh, Jackman and, and Gyllenhaal, outstanding. I just love everything about this movie. Uh, it was a weird experience. You talked about the experience of seeing Anchorman. This was kind of the opposite experience. Uh, one of the things that was kind of stood out to us during watching this movie was the audience. They didn't get it. And, and that almost, I was, we were both kind of offended by that because we thought it was such a good movie that should be taken seriously. And we were stuck with a bunch of yahoos that didn't get it. And a lot of people didn't get the ending of this movie, which is really upsetting because I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I really like the ending of this movie. I, re- I like the entire... I mean, there's nearly nothing um, super negative to say about this one. I thought the performances were great. You're talking about a first-class cast. I mean, besides uh, uh, Hall and uh, Jackman, you have Melissa Leo. Mm-hmm. You've got Terrence Howard. You've got Viola Davis. Um, Paul Dano. And your favorite, Paul yeah. Dano. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the performances were great. I thought the story... I really liked the way it approached it. Um, you you really got inside the the head of of Hugh Jackman and like his motivation for things, and where you really, I mean, the whole point of the movie was kind of you know, at what point does a man lose his you know morality? It what it, it, it during what circumstances will you cross that line between decency and and going over the top? And and Hugh Jackman did a, I think he's. Hugh Jackman gets is underrated as an actor. I think I don't think people take him maybe as seriously because of some of the roles he's had. Right, you know, doing things like Wolverine, you know, kind of get thrown into that kind of you know comic book action type yeah. of thing and robot boxing, whatever that movie was. Yeah, but you know what, he's good in all that. I stuff. I know he is good, but the, but you're right because of those movies, because of the subject matter. I think people overlook him. He's always done a good job in those Wolverine movies. It's just been a poor script. Yeah. Uh, but I think in this movie, you get to see kind of some of his serious acting chops, maybe more so than, and he does a lot of Broadway stuff. So he, he, there's kind of always that, you know, sort of a, I don't know, kind of a comic-y feel about him. But, but in this movie, he can really, he really chews it up. And Gyllenhaal, in my opinion, should get, uh, I mean, he, sh- he should get, uh, uh, if not Oscar, other award nominations for sure. Uh, and I would put him on the Oscar list. I thought his performance in this, to me, um, I've always thought he was a decent actor, but right. I think he, I think he's a real star. And I saw um, a movie from the previous year. Uh, I went out and, and, and watched End of Watch, um, mm, yeah, and uh, an, another great performance from him. So he's he's gone two years now in a row that I think that he's really put together powerful performances. And this movie is really his vehicle, I think, hopefully to put him into that next level. You know, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure it's getting the 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 kind of attention that it deserves, honestly. Uh, I haven't heard it on a lot of lists. I haven't heard a lot of people talk yeah, about it's it. It's almost like a diamond in the rough. I think it kind of it came out kind of early in the award 
release season, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it, it maybe it came out a little early because I would put this up against, I mean, some other stuff that's going to get Oscar, you know, consideration, things like American Hustle, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. uh, even Captain Phillips. I would put this movie uh, uh, above those. Uh, well, obviously, because it's on the list above them. But it just as a, a viewing experience, um, I think there's a lot to be said about this movie and very positive stuff. Yeah, we didn't see it. Uh, we, uh, we mentioned the crowd we saw it with. It wasn't a very big crowd, you know. I think we saw it fairly maybe the weekend it came out it was the weekend it came out i think we saw it on a sunday night or something yeah. the weekend it came out so it you know if that i don't know how much money the movie made i would expect that it's the kind of movie that's not going to be a huge huge money maker um but will probably make its money after the award season because i i really honestly expect maybe i'm completely off base here but i expect some of these performances to be mentioned uh in the awards season so yeah i, I hope so i hope so so, uh, moving on from number three, we have number two. This also may be a surprise to a lot of people, but not to us. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, we we dug this movie a lot. Star Trek Into Darkness. And this, of course, is the next installment in the uh, newly rebooted Star Trek franchise with Jay, Jay Abrams at the helm. Mm-hmm. Um, I should preface it. I think we both enjoyed the first Star Trek movie yes. um, with Abrams did. Uh, very, you know, a decent amount. I thought this movie. Okay, let's let's rate this up against the other summer blockbusters that it kind of went out, you know, went up against. You know, your your Man of Steel, for example. I, I just I thought this movie. I was excited by it uh, before I saw it. When I walked out of the theater, I said, "Now that's how you do an action movie." Mm-hmm. Um, now I am a fan of Star Trek, um, the, the ser- all the different TV series and the in the movies. He's I'm, actually wearing one of the uniforms right now. He yeah. is somewhat of a Trekkie. Yeah, and, well, I mean, if you count underoos as a uniform, I, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, I thought this movie just it had it, it, it hit a lot of buttons for me. Uh, number one, I'm pretty familiar with the source material, but I think it holds up even even if you're not. Um, I really like the performances of the the cast. You know, Chris Pine, um, for example, doing Kirk again. I think he's a very effective Kirk. Zachary uh, Quinto, Quinto yeah. as uh, as Spock again. You know, good great performance there out of him. Solid stuff. Um, it does seem a little episodic because it is Star Trek and it is the second installment in you know an ongoing, hopefully an ongoing series with a new franchise. Uh, so it gets it has a little bit of an episodic feel because it picks up you know sort of where the last one left off and things, but just great action, look great, good sci-fi. I mean, good crisp look to all the technology, um, the 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 space battle quote unquote sequences were. Uh, I thought very effective and did not look, you know, cheesy. Um, you get to see the Klingons in the new universe for the first time. They looked really menacing and looked really good. So this this hit, hit, fired on a lot of you know, good good things for me. So yeah, I mean, uh, let's just go ahead and ahead and say it. I mean, this is one of those movies where we came out and it was just a fun movie to watch. There were some leaps in logic in the movie. It wasn't the tightest script, but the performances were good. The action pieces were good. Uh, and, and the leaps in logic in a movie like this are fine. It's a Star Trek movie, for goodness sake. I think what a lot of people had trouble with was some of the deception that happened before the movie. You know, J.J. Abrams saying, no, no, it's not Khan, it's not Khan, and of course it turns out to be Khan. Spoiler alert. I think people took umbrage of that for maybe unfair reasons. We're talking about a parallel, you know, alternate universe here where it's... It, can take the same kind of storyline and put little twists and turns in it, and and you kind of have to you have to kind of revisit the first movie to really appreciate the fact that it is that alternate right. 
universe, alternate timeline. Um, and so maybe if somebody came into it trying to just view it as a standalone piece, I could see where you might have some, you know, some issues with the script. Like you said, there's there's some leaps in logic, but I think um, what kind of counterbalances that is what I thought was a brilliant way of kind of revisiting the old Star Trek story, right. the old, you know, the story. And let's, you know, spoiler alert, big time, is that it's more based off the original Star Trek um, series episode where Khan is introduced. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're talking about the classic Ricardo Montalban um, Khan, and not not so much the Star Trek II Wrath of Khan movie. It, mm-hmm. This is going back to the original series, and uh, I like the fact that they kind of revisited that, because it's a very interesting storyline. And uh, this kind of the way that the, the, they did some twists, uh, the, the way Spock became more of the action hero and Kirk became more of the, of the guy who sacrificed himself for the crew, kind of swapping out what happened in Wrath of Khan. Right. Um, I, I just thought there was little twists like that, and being a big fan of the source material, um, I can get past the leaps in logic because I really like the way they kind of re examine and re reworked a couple things so that you could see the parallels, but you, you know, you didn't, it wasn't necessarily, you didn't have to reach in your brain very far to figure out, you know, well, okay, Spock and, and, and Kirk here have a completely different relationship than they did, than they did in the classic Star Trek timeline, you know, mm-hmm. for example. So that kind of those dynamics between the characters and the, and the twists on the old classic story to me made up for any, you know, we'll call it, dumb action movie type stuff that goes on. Yeah, and and the thing is, I think Chris Pine, uh, some people might have problems with his performance. I think he's great. I think he's everything that the Shatner Kirk was, except that he actually has better acting chops than than Bill. Quite honestly. I mean yeah. I, I he's he's fun to watch. I don't I don't think that I have any problems with his character. I think Zachary Quinto is perfect as Spock. As a matter of fact, there's a commercial out there if you haven't seen it that they're that they're together. I think it's a car commercial or something, but it's awesome. I love it uh, because they fit together so well. Uh, I, I was a big fan of his on 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 Heroes when he was on yes, there. Yeah, so, I've been a fan of everything he's done. Really, he's he's been he's he's a compelling actor. And it's J.J. Abrams. I mean, he he makes he makes good movies. And I this movie actually gave me a lot of hope, uh, a new hope for uh, Star Wars that's going to be coming out. Uh, the next installment. Uh, I think he, to me, it seems like he wasn't a big Star Trek fan either. He didn't like Star Trek, but he did it. And to me, it felt very traditional Gene Roddenberry Star Trek. Yeah, that's what I love. I, I love, like, I'm not a, a huge fan of rebooting TV shows as movies and redoing movies over and over, movies that maybe don't necessarily need to be redone over and over. Um, and that's what I liked about this. There was like that twist, you know, we're not going to retell the Star Trek story. We are going to put a little wrinkle in the Star Trek story and split off this alternate timeline, which allows the filmmaker, which allowed Abrams to do some different things with the different characters. You know, the Spock of this Star Trek is so much different than the Leonard Nimoy Spock of the original Star Trek thread, you know, and, and you're talking, you're comparing Chris Pine to, uh, to, to Bill Shatner. Well, the Pine, Kirk is so much, it's so different in a lot of ways than Shatner's Kirk because of what he went through, you know, in the beginning of the first right. movie. You know, so I just, I just love those little nuances to it. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's breathed new life into that franchise to me, the where I would, I, I look forward to a, another Star Trek movie, whether 
you know, JJ Abrams does it great. If he doesn't, and someone just kind of continues the storyline that he's going with, I'm excited about it. I would see it. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I think that's done for number two, and we can roll right into our number one if you want to. Number one movie for 2013, as voted on by the DTMMB media staff, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, this was some movie. I, I tell you what, it's after watching this movie, I have a special feeling after I watch movies like this. Anything related to slavery. It's a combination of anger and embarrassment and just disbelief. And this hits all those different points for me. Uh, it's a very personal experience watching something like this, I feel. Uh, it, it, is, it does tell a true story, too. This is another movie that tells a true story. And that's what I have a problem with with some of the criticisms that I've actually heard from people that are clueless saying that this is maybe uh, torture porn type type movie you know these things happen this is the the story of solomon northup as it happened i believe not only things like this did happen i believe far worse than what we saw probably happened yeah i i take exception to anyone who would you know kind of act like it was gratuitously violent or something like torture porn like you said because really i mean yes there are some scenes that will make you cringe from a you know, just not even just take out the whole slavery and all the immorality of the whole slavery uh, situation um, in early America. It, just looking at it from a term of this is a human being who is being who's having their body, you know, just abused mm -hmm. uh, for no reason. It felt I really liked the way they did it because it did not feel necessarily preachy to me or anything. It felt like the way the story, the way the narrative worked, you just experienced this with Solomon Northrup. And we should just say, if you haven't seen the movie, Solomon Northrup is a free man who has a family in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like 18, I think 41, 40, something like that. And he gets kidnapped and, and sold into slavery. So this is a man right. who has grown up as a free man who has a family, uh, who has a close knit family, uh, has, is, is a pretty successful, uh, person, um, in the North. And when he gets sold into slavery, he, that is almost like he can't even tell anyone that because as soon as someone, uh, one of the themes that I got from it is, you know, it's was, Hey, you know, you're not, you, I didn't buy you for you to read and write. I right. bought you to work. Right. So he's, he's a threat to other slaves. He's a threat to the plantation owners. He's a threat to, um, the slave bosses, the overseers. So he, it's just a weird, you know, it's a, a, a weird perspective than, say, something like, you know, Roots or Amistad, right? right. Um, where these people are, you know, obviously still a very heartbreaking story about slavery. But this was a different perspective. This is somebody who almost had to, um, he had to assimilate himself as a slave almost to survive. Um, great performances, great a great cast. Michael Fassbender as the a sadistic, almost psychotic slave owner um, is pretty. Is pretty interesting, and what and what, another thing I thought was very interesting was the way they incorporated the church, the religion, yeah. uh, the religious beliefs of the sl of the slave owners. Uh, as it, it's like they they are devout Christians or something, but yet they are whole, they're using the Bible to justify this absolutely abhorrent practice of slavery. Well, I felt there was even a, a, a kind of two different views because we have. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in it, playing somewhat of a, I mean, he's a slave owner, 
but he is one that seems somewhat sympathetic, and he is portrayed as someone that is in a situation where I'm a I'm an owner in the South. It's more I, of a I business kinda, decision yeah, for him, it seemed like. Right, right, right. And he didn't necessarily have the sadistic nature of the Fosbender character, and it seemed like he was trying to actually pre- preach the gospel in a serious way where Fosbender was using it as an excuse. It was a very interesting thing. One of the things I found interesting was I, I read an interview with Steve McQueen, who directed this movie, and he felt that he felt sorry for the Fosbender character. He felt he was a sympathetic character because he was put in a position where you can't choose who you love. And I'm sorry if this is filled with spoilers, but he's in love with a slave, and he feels sympathetic because he cannot truly express express that love because of the position that he's in. And and the what he faces in his own mind with the religious aspect and everything. It's a very interesting take on that, and I found it interesting that he used him as a sympathetic character. Yeah, and I can, I picked up on maybe that a little bit because uh, I kind of felt like he was using his his sadism almost as a way, almost like as a frustration. You yeah. Know, because he could not he could not be with the woman that he really you know loved, um, and so in a way he would he would have to make her sort of a, a victim of his sadism because he was ashamed of it or something right. in his own, in his own mind. Plus, you know, there's the whole diet, you know, there's, there's a dynamic with him and his wife as well, which we won't even get into at this point. It's very complex um, as slavery is a very complex, um, you know, on its face, it's very straightforward. Hey, we shouldn't be owning slaves. People are people. They aren't beasts of, of burden that gets right. bought and sold. That being said, you're talking about a culture that somebody like the, um, the the Benedict Cumberbatch, the character he portrays, almost felt like for him it was just a reality of doing business and in, in maintaining a plantation right. that he had to kind of – it was sort of an evil that he had to kind of deal – he had to use to his own um, – just to keep his family and you know his, his place in society, he had to, to use this kind of labor – um, he was even scared of his own uh, slave hands, which yeah. I thought was was somewhat interesting. It just it, seemed it, like he was just not somebody who, in a different situation, you know, if he was not in the South, you know, if he was in, in upstate New York like Solomon Northrup came from, he might be in a completely different situation and might be a, a you know, a, a really, you know, good guy. In this particular uh, situation, he was not, you could not consider him a good guy because he did buy slaves. But you also see him being sympathetic to like slaves' family being broken up and things like that. He tries to keep um, a slave, um, a woman. Uh, he tries to buy her kids as well, I believe. And right. So you get some of that. But there's some, some great performances in this. That, that I mean, if you go Paul down, Giamatti, yeah, if you Brad go down the Pitt, list, um, Paul Dano, your favorite, yeah. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. We've already mentioned who I should point out. Benedict Cumberbatch um, is in one and two. He, he was. Yeah. He, he played uh, Khan in uh, Star Trek: Into the Darkness, and Paul Dano was in one and three. Yeah. So know. those. <laughs> so, so our standout performances for 2013 are Cumberbatch and Dano. I'm surprised we didn't have more Fosbender in there because it seems like he's been in everything. Except he was in The Counselor, so I think yeah. that kind of maybe tarnished him a little bit. But uh, but yeah, this movie, um, great soundtrack, great you know interesting, compelling subject matter, and uh, I, we should also mention if we were talking about actors, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah, yeah. Is a standout, and if he doesn't get something, I, I think you know I'd be very surprised. Incredible performance from him. Um, I think he's he's somebody who 
is is going to get a lot he's going to get better roles for after this uh after this performance because he's just incredibly strong in this and he care you know he carries um the narrative because everything's from his perspective um i will also say this not for the easily squeamish because no. there's a particular scene where uh patsy is being whipped um uh, that may be the there's it's only a, i mean a half a second but it may be one of the most brutal things i've seen when the only movie i've seen where a body is ripped from being whipped like that was passion of the christ and of course in passion of the christ it lasted for 20 minutes uh but in this movie it was it's a quick scene but when you actually see what a bullwhip does to the back of a young girl yeah. um i mean we've all seen those you know photos of of slave victims that have you know the scars on their back and everything but i can't recall a movie or any visual experience I can think of where I've actually seen a whip hit a back and rip skin off. It's yeah, just absolutely and, brutal. Well, probably uh, the passion of Christ was the last time I saw something that brutal. Yeah. Quite honestly, that's what I was saying. It, but of course in that, yeah. in that scene, it lasted 20 minutes in this scene. It was just really quick, but it yeah. was still just as powerful to me. Yeah. We should mention the actress who played Patsy uh, Lupita, and I'm going to probably demolish her last name. Nyong'o. She was uh, born in Mexico, raised in Kenya, but actually graduated from Yale University from their drama acting school. And this was her film debut. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize it was her debut, but she yeah, yeah. she's very, very powerful. Yeah. You're going to see a lot more of her, I have a feeling, too. So that that was our number one movie. And... Um, that's gonna that's gonna win the best picture Oscar, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I don't really think. I mean, we had some movies here that we have ranked pretty highly. Uh, you know, your Star Trek, your Prisoners, Captain Phillips, Upstream Color. Those are not. I mean, those pale in comparison to the overall kind of between the message, between the you know, the way the story was told, the visual, everything was just so strong with uh, Twelve Years a Slave. I have to think that that's going to be the best Oscar winner. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of other movies that have buzz about them that maybe not necessarily deserve that buzz. I think one of them is The Wolf of Wall Street. You might hear it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how some critics may feel about it, especially. You know, when we're talking about, you know, nominations for an Academy Award, I know a lot of people probably want to give homage to Martin Scorsese as being, you know, an elder statesman and making a movie. And, you know, they feel bad for Leo. He hasn't won an Oscar. But I hope we don't... To me, you know, we both thought, if you notice, that movie's not on our top ten. We think it's fairly weak overall. Uh, we didn't care for it as much as, as a lot of people did, but... There's a lot of movies like that that are going to get that Oscar buzz, but I hope nothing beats Twelve Years a Slave. I think it's a, I think it's going to make McQueen a really st- a standout director, and I think he's very effective, which is, which is unusual. If you know about his past, he's he's got a very colorful past. If if you have a chance, go out seek out an article about him, an interview. He's got a really interesting past uh, with more artworks. He did a lot of art. That was fairly extreme, but I, I see he's got a, a huge amount of talent as a director, and I can't wait to see more of him. Yeah, and, and I expect Edgy Four again is going to get uh, some some big roles. Um, seeing him in other stuff, you would definitely recognize him. Uh, he's been in some stuff like, for example, uh, 2012 with John Cusack that came out a, a, a few years ago. That was kind of a kind of a dumb disaster movie where he, you know, he's good in it, uh, but this is the kind of role that kind of propels your career. And I, I've heard uh, interviews with with edgy for as well, where, you know, this is a guy that I, I really admire his commitment to the art and I want to see him uh, have a lot of success moving forward. 
Yeah, he was in uh, two other movies that, that kind of were standouts for me beforehand, Children of Men, which yes. I, which yeah, I yeah. loved, yeah. and uh, a movie called Red Belt. I don't know if a lot of people have seen that movie, uh, but it is a, a very good movie uh, that was done by David Mamet, or Mamet. It's Mammoth. It's Mammoth, yeah. Yeah, David Mammoth. Well, and then Children of Men is uh, uh, Alfonso Cuaron, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, who did uh, Gravity. Did Gravity. So um, so he's working with some good people, and that and that's uh, that's always a way for the, you know uh, an actor to, to get these good parts. You can work with some, some talented directors. Um, but yeah, 12 Years a Slave, I mean, to me, as much as I enjoyed some of these other movies, 12 Years a Slave, once I saw it, it was hands down, this is the best movie I've seen this year, both for the movie making experience viewing experience, but also the social, uh, impact and things. And, um, you know, it really, it really does deserve whatever honors it, it, it's bestowed. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to cover a couple of honorable mentions. Maybe we should have done that before number one, but anyway, I don't want to take away from the number yeah, one, just, but just, just a few things that, yeah. that, that didn't make the list, but still want to point out that we really enjoyed. Uh, one of them was one that I've seen, uh, Chris hasn't seen, but I, I think it's worth a mention. It was actually a 2012 release, but it was actually wide release in 2013. It was just limited in 2012. It was called place beyond the pines, uh, with Ryan Gosling. Um, uh, and uh, Bradley Cooper, a really outstanding movie. Again, visually appealing. Um, it does a lot of the techniques we, we talked about in Upstream Color. Uh, has a lot of a, a great score to it and a really great script. And and throws a, a real big twist at you right at the at the beginning. It does not go the direction you think it's going to go. And it's a really good movie. Um, Chris had a hard time trying to track it down. He was going to try to watch it. It's not on Netflix. I believe it's on Amazon Instant. If you have that uh, with Amazon Prime, you might be able to catch it. If not, you know you might be able to find it in a Redbox or or a Blockbuster uh, video out there. Wait, do they they still have Blockbuster videos? <laughs> they they probably do somewhere. Uh, another, maybe, maybe in Canada. Another another movie that we thought uh, was pretty good but didn't quite make our top ten was Out of the Furnace. Yeah, um, starring Christian Bale and uh, who uh, made a pretty big impact in American Hustle uh, this year as well. So maybe this movie's kind of you know being overlooked a little bit because American Hustle was kind of a you know a bigger vehicle for Bale. But uh, another it was co-starring uh, Woody Harrelson, which yeah. I thought put in a very who pretty much made the movie for me, put in a very strong performance kind of as the antagonist. Yeah, I think he's starting to become I think he's a little underrated now. I think he had some issues maybe early on in his career. He has made some questionable movies, but I think he's underrated as an actor. I think Woody Harrelson can act do any part that he gets, but I, I think he, he kind of gets thrown into some uh, kind of goofy character parts sometimes because he is a guy who can, can do really over the top stuff, right. you know, uh, in this movie, it's a little bit over the top. It wasn't the thing I thought that made his performance strong in it was it could have been more over the top, but he, it was just, it was like, he was just, he was just crazy and twisted enough that it was believable and menacing, you know? Um, it felt like a bubble ready to pop. Yeah. That he could have really gone out there, but but instead now, was just boiling. And that kind of brings brings us to probably what the criticism of the movie is, is that, you know, the story maybe doesn't get as complex as you might want, or maybe things just seemed, it, it never really kind of picks up to that, that tension. Uh, the tension builds a little bit, but it never gets to that point where there is the pop that you're, you know, you feel right. it's coming. Yeah. And so maybe that this movie, uh, you know, that's probably why I didn't make the top 10, but from a, um, 
performance perspective, great performances. Sure, Zoe Zidane is from also. Uh, uh, Casey from, Affleck yeah. uh, as well. Uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Really strong cast, really good stuff. Sam Shepard. Probably something similar, probably on par with, with like a Prisoners, but I, yeah. I thought Prisoners was probably just a more interesting story. Yeah, I think that's probably what knocked it off the list. They were they were kind of close to us. We felt they had kind of the same vibe, but Prisoners was so much stronger. But but uh, Out of the Furnace, definitely worth mentioning. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a, a sleeper maybe you should check out. Yeah, and, and finally, uh, a movie I saw, All is Lost, uh, which Chris has also not seen just yet. Uh, it's, it's a movie that... Basically, you've got a, a a storied actor who's 77 years old in Robert Redford, and he carries the movie. There is no one else in the movie. There's very little dialogue, yet you find a way to be compelled throughout the entire movie. I, I was going to look up the runtime. I, I couldn't actually tell you. It never felt, it didn't feel overly long. Uh, 106 minutes, so not bad, not overly long. But to carry a movie for 106 minutes is pretty impressive when there's very little dialogue and only one actor. Uh, it's it's about a man that's out in the boat in the Indian Ocean and uh, finds himself in a bit of trouble as he hits uh, a container from possibly the the Alabama Maersk, as far as I know. It could have been a you know could have been a tie-in, but he hits something like that. It gets him in a little bit of trouble. He goes through anything from storms to anything you would think of in a in a survival movie. It wasn't exhausting like Gravity. It's maybe the closest thing that you can compare it to uh, for the year. Uh, because it is, you know, if you think about it, Sandy Bullock was kind of in that same situation. She carried that movie in, in almost a similar way. And it did have uh, very little dialogue after the beginning. So it felt similar to that, except it didn't wear me out. It was a good pace. Uh, it was interesting. And it was just a, a, a complete showing of what a uh, a really good actor can do uh the the way he emoted with his face throughout the entire movie it's definitely a must watch if you can if you can get a hold of it yeah it's definitely uh it's on my list so uh uh i'm I'm glad that we're mentioning it here um so i think that pretty much brings us to the end uh just as a quick recap just uh in case you're scoring at home number 10 pacific rim number nine american hustle number eight anchorman two uh, number seven, Gravity, followed by Rush. Number five was Upstream Color. Then Captain Phillips, Prisoners, Star Trek Into the Darkness, and our number one movie for 2013, 12 Years a Slave. So uh, mark it down. Those are basically going to be your, your Oscar winners. They're all going to win Oscars, I believe. I Can think, they do that? I don't think they give out that many of them, but yeah, yeah. They might all get um, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some BAFTAs, uh, maybe, I don't know. There's there's plenty of awards out there to get. Uh, so, yeah, that'll wrap it up. And uh, make sure you see those movies. And we'll be back uh, next week to do... Uh, to start 2014. Yeah. I mean, it's already started. But uh, I guess we could start our reviews of 2014. Wait, I meant, like, 2014 movies. I haven't seen anything that's come out in 2014 yet. Have you? Uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay, so then we'll start there. Okay. That sounds like a good plan, by the way. So I, think I mean, we'll, actually, if you want, we can go ahead and start 2015. Just get a head start. <laughs> we could do that. We could do that. Uh, I'll get in touch with uh, Karuth. He knows about that time travel stuff. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. If you like this episode, please check us out also on DTMMBmedia.com, as well as follow us on Twitter at DTMMBmedia, and like us on Facebook, where we're facebook.com slash 
dtmmb.media. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This has been a Don't Tell Me My Business media production. Keep that dog quiet!